Well, to get this update, Friday night, walking towards uh, Madison Square and through Times Square. And the next thing was where the Roshan was and beside me. So I looked around and there's just staring up at the TV screen. Right, this is about 7 o'clock at night. And I'm going, come on, come on, I'm going to be late for the basketball. She said, no, come here. He says, come on. She says, you've got to come here. She says, she says, Marathon's cancelled. I says, no, it's not. I thought she was joking. I says, no. She says, I walked, Robbie. To say I was traumatised was an understatement. Understatement. I stood there looking at that screen. And then, you know what I seen next come up at the bottom of the screen? The addition of Tokyo to the majors. It had been announced earlier in the day on the Friday. I didn't know that. There I was stunned. Times Square, Marathon just cancelled. And edition of Tokyo. That my friend was Stephen Toe and this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host so welcome to the podcast. If you're a person that is easily drawn to races, then just beware. In this episode, Stephen Toll from Armagh talks about numerous races that he has competed in around the world. He loves ticking off his lists and has competed all of the six world major marathons, all of the ten of the runner world's top ten list, and only has one race left to compete in the seven continents. Stephen was also there when they cancelled the New York Marathon in 2012 and had not long crossed the finish line in Boston in 2013 when the terrorist attacks occurred. Before we start, I'd just like to give a shout out to this week's sponsors, Born to Run, whose next race is the Extern Dam Busters race, which takes place on Saturday, the 17th of August, in the beautiful Silent Valley, located in the heart of the Mourns in County Down. There are three distances to choose from, the 5k, 10k run and walk, and the half marathon, which is featured in the Pure Running Half Marathon series. So why not dodge down for this fantastic race? Good to see you there. It's with great pleasure I give you Stephen Toe. And I'd still say, with all the ones I've done, yeah, London remains in terms of atmosphere. It remains absolutely the best because you all know London from TV like don't we do you know what I mean you've sat and watched that yeah even when you'd know or if you'd little or no interest in running you always wanted to watch that it sort of draws you in that morning like doesn't it when you sit and watch that and it's just that mix right across the board so listening to you I'm assuming then you were really disciplined even back then your first race you got a race plan where did you get your race plan from Uh, I think I bought a book that's it Mm. Uh, and just follow, follow, follow the book. Uh, it had half marathon plans and um, full marathon plans. I had probably run Dublin half for the first time um, the year before, so that would have been around 2010. What sort of time are you pushing out then? Around, I'd gone with a 130 pacer, right? Jesus. And I couldn't hold on to the last mile, right? I'd sat slightly in front of him, right, thinking, right, right. And he, when he passed me, about 12, probably more, about 12, 12 and a half, man, he shouted, right, let's go. Oh, I had absolutely not. I tried to go, but that was a spent, man. Couldn't go in and I missed out. It was 131 or something. That's, that's phenomenal, though. Like, if you're about four stone heavy to sort of start the journey. Yeah. And then to run the first half marathon. Mm-hmm. 
and you're going out with a 130 pacer um, and you're running from lamppost to lamppost yeah like you really I'm looking for which word but obsessed is in my head oh, <laughs> oh, oh absolutely anybody in town but I was doing wrong it was got it by because I knew if I went one a sub 130 I had a guaranteed entry for New York alright so good. New York you can get guaranteed entry through a half marathon and that as well so did you know about the majors at that stage oh I knew about the majors so you were surely. straight in there like. I was straight but there's only five of them at that stage yeah, yeah. So no there's no Tokyo at that, st- Tokyo at that stage so uh, obviously London we hadn't come out of draw so it went with uh, Sports Tours International uh, but just just you know, purchasing your own thing not, not through the charity element of and at that stage you know it was it was fine are you yeah. sort of glad you did go that way because you meet an awful lot of people oh and... yeah yeah absolutely yeah and then as I said my brother Declan was running it then and then we had uh, another mate so there's three of us together and that so um, so first one oh, atmosphere and that obviously your first one was probably the one you always remember but can you think of anything distinctive in that do, race well, do, you know, do you know what it stuck out right I was in complete another fear of this 20 mile on the wall whenever it was going to come. It was coming down the tens heading towards how's the apartment so you're way you're in the last couple of miles at that stage right and I was thinking to myself you know what's all the fuss about about this wall and that and there's guy and it had been a really cold winter and then a really warm as often happens London Marathon Day so there's a guy in front of me he was running really strong on that there and I could see him. I could see it happen to him before he knew it. It was like a deer stalker taking out a deer, deer. I could see his body just crumble. Boom. He was flat out on the ground in front of me. Now that scared, yeah. scared me half to death because I was a few Especially minutes on your first one as well. Yeah. I was like, flip. And then the only thing I wanted to do then was to get home. Right, yeah. get me home as quick as possible, right? And it was funny because... Because you're, you're pushing limits yourself and your body's yeah, struggling and all, yeah. you're going through that motions yourself. Like. And it was almost somebody trying to say, listen, right, don't get too cocky in here. Because just minutes before that, I've been thinking, what's all the fuss about here, right? And then it's like, what mm. I was petrified in the last couple of minutes then, just that something like that could happen. Mm. You know? But that finish, and you've done it. Because it's not easy, like, is it? I remember, and I think your first few as well, you know, you put your body through a lot. You don't yeah. really, you know, it's all new. And when I look back and think how difficult, I was running like a 4.20, sort of around my first few marathons. I suffered. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, my wife would go, <laughs> stand on the sideline with the kids, like, yeah. and yeah. she's going like, oh my yeah. goodness, like, he is. But you see, as others have said, if you're, if you're afraid of pain or afraid of dark places, endurance running really isn't for you mm. is it like right so you've got it goes with the territory yeah but i do think it is something that you can get used to yeah do you know what i mean it's not yeah. something people find it a lot more it's it's in some people that they can go deep and dark mm-hmm. and hang on in there mm-hmm. you know i've been somebody that's been on the peripheral of that mm-hmm. and sort of dipped in and out of it but then gradually being able to go into it. Yeah. And you're looking for that comfort and the discomfort. Mm-hmm. Aren't you really? Like, oh, absolutely. Um, I'm not somebody that gets yeah. it easy at all. Yeah. Do you know, I, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I have to, it takes me a while to get, to find that comfort and that discomfort yeah. and become accepting of what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Because the more you resist, yeah. the more it amplifies. Yeah. 
isn't it? Yeah, if you prepare yourself to expect that, really, it doesn't come as a surprise. Right? And you're thinking, right, so yeah, that's part and parcel of it. Just grit the teeth there <laughs> right? and work your way through it. You but know. it does pass. Yeah. You know, those, those moments really do pass. It, it took me, I wish somebody had sat down and told me that, like, because I always struggle when, it, when the wheels started coming off, like 18, 19. Not that they, they were even coming off. I was just slowing up for a period. Yeah. And to me, I was starting thinking, geez, I can't hold this for another six miles. Mm-hmm. And then it would get mm-hmm. darker and darker. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned then, actually, no, this is just a moment I'm going through. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You learn, you learn something. I don't care how many do. You learn something nearly yeah. every day you're out, don't you? Definitely. Um, and the thing is that it's never wasted as long as you learn from it. Mm. If you repeat the same mistakes, well... Straight after it. I never have a bad race. There's no such thing as a bad race. If you keep that mentality. Mm -hmm. And I've had loads of crashes, car crash marathons, and every time I actually think, geez, I can't wait to get back to the next time and learn from that. Well, that's that's where you want to to learn is on your training days, isn't it? Mm. That's where you want things to go wrong, so you learn how to cope with things like that, John hopefully avoid those on race day and that's why it's important to try and mimic it as much as possible yeah. even if yeah. most split disciplines it used to be that even coming up to like three or four days before it you know i used to eat the same food i was going to eat for yeah. three or four days try and sleep in the same way and then just because the training days are great yeah i think it's because you don't have that mental pressure on the expectation on yeah. you it was funny in those early days you know you know eight Everything your thing is eight pasta, this, that, and the other. But as you go on, <laughs> you find, you know. Just eat um, normal. Yeah. I remember, I remember I had a mate who was uh, just on the four hour man, and he went to Guy, Guy O'Hanlon. So we went from just on the four hours to 253. Right, with Guy. Phenomenal. And I was all, my biggest thing was. What did he eat the night before <laughs> the marathon? Right, a guy called Shane McShay from Armagh here, and uh, he says, Stephen, he says, all I had was a bowl of ice juice, and he says, and two scoops of ice cream. He says that was it. So that's that was me, my, my yeah. fascination with pasta. Everything that's out the window. It's just what your body gets used yeah, to, isn't absolutely. it? Really, like it's just what you absolutely. eat every day in day yeah. out. Yeah, and probably what you eat the night before and maybe the morning isn't really that. Well, I remember, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, Laura Graham, mm-hmm. um, she just sort of started running. I was leaving around um, one of the team dog pink running vests. She hadn't started with morning runners at that stage. And she had, had done a phenomenal run. She's, she'd really sort of come on the radar then. Mm-hmm. And she was doing the London Marathon, I think. And she was asking me what to eat. And I said, well, just do exactly what you did last time. You know, obviously worked for you. Yeah. She goes, well, I had a Chinese. <laughs> I just put my hands <laughs> in my head. And I go, just uh, eat anything, but don't go to the Chinese. <laughs> she goes, well, it worked last time. Oh, that, that one is a bit risky, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But it just goes to show, do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. Yeah. so you, knew the, you knew the majors then, you'd done London then. Oh, right, yeah, and that was me once I knew it was bitten with the bottom. So your brother done it as well. He, he had done it, but that was his about third time, I think, doing London. Okay, uh, but we were both thinking about the world majors then. Well, we were both on that on the, on that uh, sort of line of thought, yeah. Because right, that stage Berlin, you just applied and got in. 
And I guess not that long ago, it was 2013. Yeah, 2013, I did it, and you just applied and got yeah. and that was the last year. Yeah, since that, like a lot of it's just gone crazy in terms yeah. of trying to get in and, and processes and things. So we knew that bit was relatively straightforward. Uh, the tricky one was going to be New York, right? Mm. So I had, uh, we're in, and that was 20, that was still 2011, was uh, Berlin. Um, so before Berlin, I'd run Dublin half again, right? And this time I managed to stay in front of the pacer and finish well, and I finished 128. Jeez. So we knew at that stage that was a guaranteed entry then. For and that was around Phoenix Park. That was Phoenix Park. Nice really sort of course. Yeah, like. yeah good, good course. It's quite, a it's quite a fast course, like, isn't it? It really? is. And it's a couple of, couple of dips in it. And then there's it's tough, that like. last mile or so, which doesn't appear on paper as if it's any sort of drag running. But you just went in yeah. the, because it's something weird, I think. I got my PB. Ten mile race there as well. Yeah, Frank Duffy. But you wouldn't, th yeah. But you yeah. wouldn't think it's going to be a fast course. So New York, that was yeah. two thousand and twelve. Uh, New York was <laughs> was the B two thousand and twelve. Two thousand twelve. I'd done Berlin, and I had a run sub three twenty five to get a guaranteed entry for Boston, for Boston, which I thought you had a run uh, three twenty five, but it turns out I would have got away with sub three thirty because Boston is your age on race day. So I was just about to turn 50 at that stage, went around uh, Berlin. So I was thinking I had around, I had around three, sub 325, and I ended up running uh, 324. So I'd got, I'd got my guaranteed entry for, for Boston, and you had New York coming up, as I thought. Right? So it falls at Halloween, as you know. So Roshan teaches. She doesn't always get away away with us uh, on, on trips and that there. But this just fell perfectly, or so we thought. So <laughs> we're all set for New York. And a few days beforehand, you heard the warnings about possible storm, this, that, and the other. We were traveling on the Monday morning. We're going for a full week. It's a big expense, like, isn't it? You know, when you're, you're heading it's, over there. It's a wee bit easier when you have your own uh, entry. That's such yeah, it makes okay. it a wee bit easier. But even then, see, at that stage, probably come back to 2000, uh, 2012, I think the entry fee alone was something like 230 yeah. quid sterling. It was like 280 quid or something. Yes, I've seen that at one yeah, stage. Yeah, it is. It is. For and yeah, it's, it's almost scandalous. They would argue it's because of. Logistics and, and all that there. And to, to a degree, you can, you can understand that. So, we would fly on the Monday morning, and of course, storm hit Sunday night, Monday morning. Our flight had already been cancelled the day beforehand, and you'll remember some of the scenes in that there. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, half of Manhattan, not even a street light in it, and everything else, subways. So, all the, all the power being knocked all out. All that there, and more importantly, people killed and all the rest. And you remember the from Donegal who's married and living out there he had two young kids Staten Island who were actually washed out of the car and their their bodies actually were got a couple of days before the marathon quite close to where the start line is there on, on Staten Island so we'd set a sort of set tight for a day or two before New York announced no it was going ahead mm -hmm. now in hindsight 
it could never have went ahead and shouldn't have went ahead. Mm. But anyway. So got, a few days before the actual race started, they were saying, yep, yeah, it's going ahead. Yeah. Everybody get out to the flight. Come out. Come on. Announced TV. Come on. Everybody come How on. How far ahead was that? Like three days, four days? Uh, that would have been probably on the Tuesday. Okay. And I I had, I, we had booked for Wednesday morning, so we were allowed to rebook again. And a lot of people weren't even interested. Right. So... I'd been trying to contact the hotel, of course, no contact from the hotel or anything else. In fact, it never reopened after the storm. The so, off we go on the Wednesday. Lands in New York, and I think of the myself, right, we're not going to downtown, we're just going to get a hotel room next to the, to the airport. <laughs> oh, chaos. Queued in hundreds, if not thousands, people looking at hotel rooms at the airport and everything else. So, um, had a mate who went out, got the last plane out on the Sunday, who was taking his wife out for a, tr- a treat, who'd been through a big operation, everything else. So he was flying home the next day on the Thursday. They hadn't even got in. All the shops were closed, hadn't got in the shop, couldn't even get into Central Park or anything else. Right, so they were there, basically holed up in the department for four days. But he texted me, or sorry, when we arrived, he'd sent me a text message to see we arrive. I said, yeah, arrive safely. Right. So uh, he then texted me, uh, have a good sort out accommodation wise. And I already knew I hadn't and wasn't gonna. Um, and I went back to say, I hope to get one at the hotel. Next thing he just rang straight away. He said, he says, Steve, you have no chance getting out. I says, I know that. I already know that. I says, but I didn't like that. Imposing and he says, come on ahead. He says, we have an inflatable mattress here. It's on the floor. He says, all we can do is put the couch between. The four of us, that was fine, really, really good. But they were going home the next day, and their apartment was uh, already rented out to a couple of guys who were doing the marathon from South America or something like that. But at least it got us a bit of time. Mm. So I'm up early the next morning, uh, Bourbon.com, everything, nothing. So I decided I would walk the streets and go from hotel to hotel, knocking on doors, literally. Fancy got one, we moved out. That was on the Thursday. Went to the expo, picked up the numbers, everything else, and I didn't care as long as I had my number and this race was going ahead. Right, so that was grand. Friday, uh, Friday would be able to get tickets for the basketball in Madison Square Gardens because nobody could get in the ring as you couldn't give tickets away. Always wanted to go to the basketball in Madison Square Gardens. Went to get something Friday night, walking towards uh, Madison Square and through Times Square and the next thing was where the grocery wasn't beside me. So I looks around and there's just staring up the TV screen. Right, this is about seven o'clock at night. And I'm going, come on, come on, I'm going to be late for the basketball. She said, no, come here. He says, come on. She says, you gotta come here. She says, she says, Marathon's cancelled. I says, no, it's not. I thought she was joking. I says, no. She says, I walked, Robbie. To say I was traumatised was an understatement. On the, their statement, I stood there looking at that screen, and then you know what I seen next come up in the bottom of the screen, the addition of Tokyo to the majors. It had been announced earlier in the day on the Friday. I didn't know that. There I was stunned. Times Square, marathon just cancelled, and the addition of Tokyo. And there was me on. Just came further and further away. Oh boy, to say I was <laughs> at rock bottom was an understatement. We yeah. said the the basketball was just a daze, 
and I mean just the days right and then the next day Saturday it was so bad it, was, it switched to anger at that stage right? yeah because you could feel the weight of that go right across yeah because because three or four days before that they said it was going yeah. ahead so people right. who had paid a lot of money you know anybody that's gone through a full training plan of four months or whatever you know it's yeah. hard enough that you know yeah. that's so you're not getting to reap the rewards from all that hard yeah. work from day in day out but when you've spent that money to go and travel there based on their words and it wasn't as i said earlier it was never going yeah seriously was never going right huge mistake by them right? oh huge mistake. but then you thought right it was it was cynical they just want people there to spend the money yeah, anyway yeah. and that's where the anger come in and i had <laughs> you're first in New York and that head spent hundreds of dollars on gear and bags and everything and sweat packs and everything into the bags I was getting yeah because you're an expo man you are like, yeah, yeah you're an expo man because when we were in Tokyo together yeah. um, you come out and you love getting like the Boston jackets yeah. or, or all that good like stuff I always like to get something there like so now you've got all the 2012 <laughs> New York <Yeah>. gear <laughs> so I was to say I was to say they was getting my, my money back so I went down to get the bus back out there, I suppose, Saturday morning. There's people getting off by bags, loads of right? stuff. Right? I says, you didn't buy stuff in the one. She says, yeah, she says, it's been reduced by 80%. And she says, I give him that 20% is going to the relief effort. And I just went, listen, whoa, I can't do this. Right? That money, leave it there. How can you start that money? So I just said, right? I didn't even get on the bus. Back to the hotel, and I said, oh, People have died, everything else, forget about it. You missing mm. out in the marathon is absolutely irrelevant. And it was funny, right? It went sort of from the lowest ebb in terms of, of running there. A couple of hours later, these guys, four or five Americans who had raised half a million dollars, uh, they're a Christian group, half a million dollars for their participation in the, in the, mar- in the marathon, right? So they put this post out on Facebook. What they were going to do was run the original course, uh, New York course, which is about four and a half laps of Central Park. So it posted them, uh, the original map and all the rest. So it had six likes on Facebook. And I said to her, you know what? See you tomorrow morning. I'm going to put my number on. Everything else, dress as if it's Martha morning, and we'll head around there. I said, there's going to be at least six others. <laughs> so it was the start. <laughs> it was the start at the finish line in Central Park there and go in reverse because everything was set up there that way so it was all marked out and everything else so I arrived expecting a handful of people well we arrived 8 o'clock in the morning there was hundreds that eventually became thousands right stand off of the place straight off no water but then you were doing laps so you brought your own water and that no ambulance cover, no anything, right? So there was to be a mass start at nine o'clock, but eventually they sent for a couple of ambulances. So a couple of ambulances arrived and the only way they'd let us start would be waves every 15 minutes. No. So people would come there with their flags to their countries, everything else would have been there for an hour. What a buzz, what a carnival atmosphere. So some people decided to run one lap, two laps, whatever, right? So I decided, right, I'm going to run just the 26.2. So we ran that, became known as a run anyway event, right? And, uh, but unknowns to me that's now, oh, that's great now. You wouldn't choose to be part of it, 
but it was probably the best day's crack I have ever had, mm. right? Uh, coming off the back of probably the worst, the worst, <laughs> the worst day of two two days earlier. Right. So amazing carnival atmosphere, and as we were there after ten, the famous paper who pipes that one bridge, he arrived, and people arrived with, with uh, water, with sweets, with everything else. So after a few hours, there was such a buzz, such fantastic. The whole New York spirit coming oh, out. Oh, it was absolute. But you know what, Robbie, see when we were coming there, with one of the taxi drivers, he had beeped at me and he sent me the number and he says, he says, hey, go home. There's no marathon. Where he's going? Right? So, but, you know, it was just, there was still, there was a bit of aggro now. There was a bit of aggro with a bit of resentment mm. uh, against the runners and that. So you'd still that, that, that whole That's New York up. as well, though. Yeah. That's an element of that, like. Uh, yeah. So, and then, then, uh, the following week, it was announced by Dublin Marathon that they're going to have a special event for the, there was about 500 people from Ireland who were due to New York that year. So it was called the Dublin New York Marathon, so it was invitation only, in Phoenix Park, starting outside the US ambassador's residence and he started it and everything else. Right. Huge TV coverage and it was all marked out now. So all the sponsors who normally I do the Dublin Marathon. They all weighed in with t-shirts, water, everything under the sun. It was, <laughs> it was great. So New York had sent new numbers for it and it sent over the medals. Yeah. That should have been. So again, you wouldn't choose to be involved, but you're part of marathon history there with, the, with those two events. So uh, great day. Had a great run. You had a PB <laughs> that day, didn't you? I did, I. Uh, right. But, <laughs> right. You talk about learning lessons. Oh, I learned a lesson that day. Went out. It was actually on uh, November morning, heavy frost, so quite icy, and you went down past the zoo in the first in the opening couple of days, and that's so the road actually was like a bottle. And you went out, just on pure adrenaline, out like a lunatic, and I mean lunatic. Like. First two or three miles, I was through six tens, six twelves, and six fifteens. Right? <laughs> oh, did I pay a price for it though later on? <laughs> absolutely imploded about my 21 relatively speaking like but still finished with a huge PB yeah 315 was 315 it? yeah so delighted but I have never been a sore right <laughs> never been a sore so another another lesson yeah. so you're talking about being a part of history there 2013 Boston oh yeah you've just gone from one to the next yeah so yeah. Yeah. Two um, different sort of stories. Two different stories. So yeah. you got into Boston through your qualifying time, through which was great. Time, yeah. um, which so so I, traveled, I traveled on my own, right? Uh, it, uh, as you know, it's always the third Monday in April, Patriots Day, and it didn't happen. Sometimes, sometimes in fact, 20, the following year, 2014, it falls uh, at Easter time. So I was there on my own because Russian couldn't travel. And Ardak, that was this Boston is where we parted on our journey, where we got knocked out of sync, right? Because he hadn't qualified in time, right? So, um, traveled on my own, everything else, uh, and obviously, race day comes, you're in Boston, right? The oldest, most historic marathon in, in the world. And I remember 
standing on the start line and it was in wave two, right? So it's at the front of wave two, right? So, and I actually remember looking around my right and actually physically pitching myself going, flip me. Here's me standing on the start line in Boston Marathon. I could not believe it. Couldn't believe it. But everybody talks about hills of Boston, right? So I had train for hills uphill. Yeah. Forgot about downhill. Oh, right, through the 20 mile mark. Heartbreak Hill. The hills are, are okay. Yeah. Right, they're, you know, they're a long about, drag, like, yeah, it's not no, too bad. But they're like. fine. But they see coming off Heartbreak Hill. Oh, my quads already gone. Yeah. That feeling you get sort of two days after, after a marathon, where everything, so I had that coming off. So we're sort of limped home. Almost <laughs> on two. On That's right. Like there's a lot of downhill to start off with, yeah. which is unique yeah. to that sort of race, yeah. and but we're not used to it. Like. Yeah, that's that's why it, uh, I think the uh, world record you can't run a world record on Boston because it's an overall downhill hill course, believe it or not. As point to point as well, like that's the two things that current against it, you know. Uh, so, uh, but phenomenal well, race though. You know, you're going oh. through like you've heard these historic sort of stories about Boston, the people that have run it, um, and the first female run, and all those yeah. good things, and like going past the college and oh, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely you know, amazing. And you start to experience all that, all the kissing girls that are out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, funny enough, they went, they went to the far side of the road, they were, they were just, just me. <laughs> I'm on pace here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't just distract keep, me. Keep going, but, but it's funny, it's funny the scenes to see and everything else. It's a beautiful city as well, though, Boston, you know. Beautiful, it's, right, and it's, it's just, Small enough, you know, walkable, living as upside, huge connection to Ireland. And the difference, the mm. difference, I remember the first couple of days everybody was going, congratulations and all. I went, you know, I was, I was in having something one day and the, the waiter says to me, congratulations. Like, I even, he says, listen, I haven't even run the race yet. You've got to wait up to him. She says, no, she says, you've qualified. She says, that's the difference of Boston. So they're all, you get off on your own. When you arrive in Boston, you are the bee's knees. Yeah. You're here to do the uh, Boston Marathon. That's what makes it different from the others. In that Especially as well. when you're from Ireland as well. I think yeah. that adds a little bit to it. Of course it it's does. It's the only race I ran in an island singlet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I really got some energy for that. Like, yeah. Because obviously Boston is so much yeah. Irish, short of American. Yeah. Great, great there. Stuff. Yeah, fantastic. So the race itself then, because you run another good race there, three fourteen was it? No, no, I had a no. Boston I had that. I had a. <laughs> I'm doing PB after PB. I'd done Paris the year before, and then as well, I got it. It was down to running three. You're getting greedy now. Yeah, <laughs> and then right. So no, it was three thirty eight in, right, in okay. Boston. So that was that was. Re- reality back check to me back I thought I was just going to keep knocking a few minutes off here the whole yeah, way that's oh, marathon running though isn't oh, it oh uh, yeah and you need that I think yeah you need you keeps need, you focused on yeah, all your you lessons that you've learned manners put in you every now and again you know, just <laughs> <laughs> and it will do it well you know it will do it on occasion so 2013 was remembered for the wrong reasons really yeah, so absolutely it was the year that the bombs went off yeah. at the finish line so I, I was in wave too so our 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 baggage collection was on Boylston Street. So all the buses, yellow buses, school buses, as you know, it, we were on Boylston Street. So you're through Copley Square there, you're through, you get your metal, your water and everything else. So you're walking on down towards the common. So I got the bus, got my photographs taken and everything else. Boom, first one went off. And I knew straight away, I was on absolute radar. I, I, what the, 
was that to the baggage handler who just taken a photograph. He's, he never even looked around. He says, always says, that'll be a generator. He says, we had one of them blue two years ago. And I'm looking at a new bit of plumbing. And then within seconds again, boom, second and off. I went, nope, give me my stuff. He have to get out. Those are bombs. He said, he was looking at them as if it had two heads. At this stage, right, you were a few hundred metres there on down Boylston Street. You were looking back, but it was a sea of, sea of people. Yeah. You were all standing perplexed and looking so there was no panic there was no anything right but I got my stuff and we're all walking towards uh, the common Boston common right? and I got this thing of oh my come into my head the way everybody walked in the wrong direction it's just flipped no way not going that direction so I tried to get down onto the underground straight down onto the underground stupid thing to do when you think about it as well right? but police army, FBI, they were on the street within 10 or 15 minutes, close the station, we were back up on the street, at which stage the panic had set in because mm. everybody knew what had happened and that, so by the time us come down into the underground station and come back up again, the atmosphere on the street had changed significantly, it was just blind panic, army everywhere and everything else, and then I knew, right, I've got to get a phone call in here. So I rang home, and first thing where she says to me, yeah, 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 we'll know your time. And he says, no, listen. And he says, listen for, bar- give me a minute here. Right, there's something has happened at the finish line. I suspect the two bombs, I says, but uh, I'm fine. I'm going to have to walk to, to the hotel. And like I was parked on the opposite, or sorry, I was staying on the opposite side of the river. So I had about five miles to walk back to my t- hotel. Mm. Quite close actually t- to where the second brother was eventually got those few days later right so when you when i was walking back to the hotel you were hearing various rumors one was killed two was killed all that there so then i got back to the motel i uh when i walked into the foyer hotel they're all just standing watching it's like a scene from 9-11 watching the, the big tv screen and that there so i seen them seen names seen ages and all that there and it's quite surreal, like, isn't it? It is, yeah. You know when you roll in yeah. after a marathon and in the majors and how brilliant it is and you, that yeah. whole buzz. Yeah. And you go through so many emotions in a race mm. and then all of a sudden, like, this is Boston, the most prestigious marathon, yeah. maybe the best marathon you're ever going to run in your life, even yeah. though it might be your best time. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're having to try to process this. Yeah, it was. And plus, I was there on my own. Mm. I was there on my own. And it was fine when I was in the foyer and that when you were running the same day, oh, got a bath and I said, oh, Obviously, started to read the stories and things, but oh, mm. a young lad like it really got them. I gotta say, and I was so there was total shutdown that night in downtown Boston. So that was on the far side of the river. So I said, go out for somebody, which is we were fine on our side of the river, and I literally just walked into the first place, right? So st- and there was a queue at it. So many places were closed. I was standing in the line. This guy just from the bar, he came up from the bar, he says. Did you run today? I says, and she says, did you get the finishes? I, did. I said, yeah. He's, he's, uh, he bought me a pint and he came over and gave me the pint. So turns out he was with uh, he was with a couple of people who had done the race, a couple of girls. There was a group of six of wives and girlfriends sort of thing. And we found out I was on my own. He invited me then to have dinner with him, as happens in these scenarios. And I've always said, everybody says to me, about traveling alone and that day. My, my mm-hmm. point is, uh, you will meet more people when you travel on your own. Because if you travel with a group or your family, you have a tendency to stay within that group. And that. 
you travel on your own, particularly to big events like that, you're meeting people from all over the world all the time. The minute first you step on a plane, right, you're you're meeting someone. But sat down with them and all the rest, so obviously it was very sombre talk and chit chat and things, but during the discussions one of the, uh, I can't remember where it was a wife or girlfriend shout from below shot told them a story about New York and all that. So there was New York and now Boston. And she says, she shouts up Stephen, she says, please tell me you're not doing Chicago way. I looked at and said, I'm afraid I am. Do Chicago. So I have to do Chicago later in October of the same year. Because mm. uh, it gave you a little bit of paranoia then, didn't it? Like, cause it did, like uh, Boston put that little bit of fear into people because there's so many people in one area. Yeah. Well, Ch- Chicago was the first big race in America after after Boston and Bowman so you, you know how patriotic and all they are mm. so the national anthem that morning my goodness and flyby and all that there it was absolutely unbelievable the hers were on the back of your neck there right and I had uh, trained hard so I knew it wasn't always knew it was in reasonable condition and that so the plan was to try and break 3.15 so uh, went out, ran comfortable as anything, first 20, 21 miles, and knew then, knew then, I literally had the luxury of almost the last few miles just looking around and everything else, because I knew it was on the break, the break 3.15, come on, 3.14.35 or something like that there. Some people say, why didn't you? Go yeah. for it. That's just not the way I am. I was disciplined as that. Right? So I just <laughs> yeah. right had that comfort of down to the wire at that, you know. So you saw the hit next time as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes it easier to bring yeah, it the next time. Do you know what? But my adventure with PB was the one, probably one of the only times where I threw discipline out through the window in terms of fueling and everything else. Right, everything just went out the window. Uh, <laughs> I'm the very last one then was Tokyo. Tokyo. Um, I met you on the trip in Tokyo. Yeah, you and Colin. I yeah, remember. Yeah. Colin, that was good. Going out for some date the night before, if you remember. Yeah. It was funny. Um, remember, we struggled, we struggled to get somewhere, walk round and round and round. Do you remember that? Couldn't quite. At the breakfast, I always have it in my head, and this this might be right or not. This is where I remember. <laughs> And you should have enjoyed this because you like discipline. I remember in the foyer of the hotel, we had to stand here, and then they moved us over to yeah, here because they were yeah. so disciplined of black and white or what yeah. they had to do. But we had breakfast, <laughs> and there was this guy from Arma, yourself, um, went to pick up the bananas, wee chunks of bananas. Like <laughs> I laughed at this, like, and the guy that was there, the Japanese guy, no, 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 you had to use the tongs. Yeah. And you're like, get away, the bananas. <laughs> He's like, no. Uh, and he was getting cross with you, like, you were like, I just want to pick up a banana. <laughs> the most disciplined race of people I have ever met in my life. You know? Totally different culture, like, isn't it? Absolutely. And I remember even on once we were dropped off on the bus and we were walking to the corrals and things, I can remember at traffic lights and you're waiting across the street and all the roads were closed and there was no chance to travel. wasn't anything within say they stood until those lights lights turned green before they would move yeah. just, just like just like machines yeah unbelievable and even do you remember that when we went uh, on the trip on the bullet train on the Monday out into the mountains 
and like the bullet train pulls into that station and they they they're all lined up cleaners are all lined up and everything else and they're in there 30 seconds all the seats turned cleaned out and everything just absolute machine like machine like you know did you finish the world majors then i finished in 2015 but i should have finished the previous year 2014 no i had and again this is this is where 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 at times <laughs> uh, racing will put manners in you and bring you down a peg or two so i i in chicago had broke the 315 mark i thought this is great right i'm just going to keep getting faster and faster here right six weeks later i was not able to walk properly or anything else uh, I probably should have had a stick at that stage, but I was using an umbrella out of pure uh, embarrassment, almost. Right? So I was saying, no running, no anything. Right? So ended up, I had uh, a series of MRI scans. I thought at one stage I had multiple cirrhosis, actually. So scary times, so brain scans, everything else. Right? But for about uh, six, seven months, I could not walk properly or anything else. So I had my deferred place for New York was looming. Right. I was to do Tokyo in two thousand fourteen. Wasn't even allowed to travel. Right. Ground completely grounded. So lost all my money and all for that one. Right, two thousand fourteen. And I was to finish the majors two thousand fourteen and then do Boston again in twenty fourteen. The whole world wanted to run Boston in yeah. twenty fourteen. And I had, I had a place of it and everything else. Uh, I'd come back from Boston 2013 and I ran Derry a few weeks later. So around 3.38 in Boston. But I ran Derry with my Boston number on my back with the name of the f uh, four people that were killed, including Officer Sean Collier, the guy that was that, uh, killed uh, a few days later. So then I'm back around three seventeen in Derry, and that was my qualifier. Then I knew then right I was in for twenty fourteen right. Brilliant. So, but didn't get to do both. But I was allowed to travel now to Boston, and it was on uh, at Easter time. So, so, we so that must have been pretty tough for you though. You oh. know what I mean? Because you're on this journey and like. I don't want to say loving life. You're working very hard, <laughs> but you know it's become part of your life now. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden it's been taken away. Yeah. Oh, that must have been a hard time. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was very, very difficult, particularly particularly when I'm looking at the things that they were looking at. Mm. Right. Uh, and those gaps there is in between between getting your scans done and getting results back and all that there. Mm. Um so yeah, difficult difficult is an understatement, right? Um so which was your last? Which was your worst la last major? The last one was Tokyo two thousand and fifteen when you guys were there. Okay, so that is when you got your yeah. So I had it. Yeah, I had delay it. I had it delayed. Well, it was, uh, uh, twenty fourteen. I went on went and done New York, but did on it virtually with no training, having been out for almost nine months. All right, and there was a big storm that morning <laughs> all the tents and all had to be taken down it was the uh, first and only time that they it was really cold though wasn't it it was freezing minus 6 for wind chill it must have been 
I done it in two fifteen, I think, two thousand fifteen I done it in. Not two hours fifteen, but, <laughs> <laughs> Where's um, but, but I remember you telling me like make sure you you know, wrap yeah. up warm and you've got gloves and all on because yeah. it was Baltic. Yeah. But we had a set we had a set on the side of the street. Well, we were there, it was like 18 degrees. I know. Well, we, we and that's the, that's the struggle with America, yeah. isn't it? It can just yeah. be from this or this. Plus, particularly with, you know, that whole logistics of getting 50 odd thousand people out on the yeah, stuff. Now. That's mental. Oh, it's nuts, like, yeah. nuts, but uh, it's just all part One of the best starts of any American, oh, like, isn't it? But that bridge on that storm morning, that, they actually had to cut the wheelchair race short by three miles. Couldn't let them up on the bridge. Now, why they let us up because on the bridge? Because of the wind. The wind, 65 mile an hour, minus six of the wind chill. It would have scared the life on you. You couldn't hear anything. All you could see flying past you was people's clothes and that. I'm going to call you the unlucky runner. Oh, why, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody goes the opposite direction than me, you know. But, do you know what? I ran 329 or something that day, man. And I hadn't trained for months and all before. But you must have been delighted with that then, especially oh, coming yeah. through what you'd come yeah, through, yeah. knowing you know that what? you didn't, yeah. you were like 70% fit again, like, and then yeah. getting back to New York in yeah. those conditions. I know like, that your, your PBs, your fast times, I said, but New York yeah. that year for me was something, but I got some buzz out of it that year. So after the majors then, you got a real addiction yeah. to uh, Swan Martin. Yeah. in different types of countries like isn't it because you've yeah. done 20 different countries 20 different countries uh, all over every time I've seen you on Facebook he's like where is that <laughs> man going to go next I was extremely envious yeah. of all the different so, places I've been, I've been really really lucky and very very fortunate now to yeah, do so the list, list of like names here so Argentina Australia Cyprus yeah. England France Germany Greece Ireland Italy Japan Holland Northern Ireland Norway yeah. Palestine Scotland South Africa, Spain, Sweden, USA, um, good old Wales. Yeah, and that's phenomenal. It's it's just what made you what were you just looking for things that were unusual? I, yeah, I like just something that wee bit different. I like this. So once I had the major, you start like two thousand eleven, like yeah. it's not that long ago. No, it's not. It's not <laughs> particularly when there's so much traveling involved. But I always have traveled. I'm look. I'm looking at Stephen's desk here. It's like a travel agent. Well, you know what? That's that's my that's my nerve center, right? That's where it's so <laughs> untidy. It's, 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 tra- it's like a travel yeah. agent. Travel books are yeah. planned <laughs> and booked at that desk. Yeah. So that's actually a tidy for you, come believe it or not. <laughs> so you've done some real unique places, like well, yes. one that really is on my radar, and I hate to see other people have done it. I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, before I have, so I'd like to go and experience that. Um, it's the Midnight Sun Midnight Marathon. Sun, yeah. So what was it like? Well, uh, where is it at? It's, in it, it's a little island called Tromso, and the island itself is about 200 miles inside the Arctic Circle, right? Okay. So uh, you're way north, right? But the unique thing about it is that for about six weeks of the year, around June time, it's daylight 24 7. Like, I mean, two o'clock in the morning is full sun. So the marathon uniquely starts about eight or half eight at night. So, That's class. Yeah. So even when you arrive there, because you're a creature of habit, do you know what I mean? So, like, can you feel the sense of that? It's like, this is just... Yeah, well, you, well I arrive quite late again. <laughs> I'm not going to say this. Well, <laughs> Storm in Dublin, missed my connection in Oslo and everything. So I actually arrived at two o'clock in the morning and the sun, skies, completely blue, full sunshine. Amazing, like it's sort of it knocks your body clock and all out too. Yeah. I gotta say, you know, but uh, 
tiny dent in that race then. Just, you oh, just, just won. Yeah, it's just a matter, and it still is just a matter of... How many uh, people would it sort of draw in? Probably around 5,000, I think. Yeah. Right, so uh, you're on the island. Uh, you're going to cross a big bridge back onto the mainland to do one half it, and then you come back on, over the same bridge again and you do the second half on the island itself. So it's one of those... It's one of those unique ones. It's one of those uh, bucket list type ones, right? Yeah. So you get huge international interest from all over the world. Starts at half eight at night. The finish line is open to two o'clock in the morning, right? So you're able to go back to the hotel, shower, and back down again. And it's like it's just like <laughs> it's just like any Saturday afternoon at two o'clock in the day and any normal normal street in that there. You know, amazing, fantastic race. So I like. I like lists, as you probably get it. Yeah. I like taking off lists. Do you find a marathon like that, um, which is sort of unique and, as you said, draws those international runners, do you find then it's like a lot easier to sort of talk to other people and sort of fall in with people? Because they're all there on the same sort of little journey, the same little buzz. Like Yeah, plus you're, you're not there for a time. Yeah. So there's no pressure there with that either. So it's just, it's just everything. Is it cold? Just, Was it cold? or? Uh, um, some of the some of the higher mountains are have still uh, snow on them, but no, it's not, uh, no, it's not not cold at all. What right? time of year? It's in June. It's June. It's about the mid, middle of June, right? Now the reverse of that, they have months and months of uh, twenty four hours of darkness. Yeah, you couldn't imagine that. No, you couldn't. You, and you know what the bizarre thing is? You think right, you're born into that, and you would be sort of semi used to it. But it has a huge international university in it as well, and the number of people, Americans, who choose to stay there thereafter, is is the thing I struggle to get my head around. You know, now it has huge problems with alcohol and with suicide as well. Yeah, I was going to say depression. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, big, big issue. I used to travel over Seattle a lot, and Seattle's got one of the highest rates of suicide in oh, America. Didn't realize that. And the reason being is because of the Cascade Mountains that surround it, draw mm -hmm. in, you know, a low depression of weather. Yeah. It rains an awful lot in Seattle. Yeah. Um, and they believe it's that type of environment, mm -hmm. you know, that's that low depression that affects people. And I can only imagine having, like, that yeah. length of time in darkness. Yeah, darkness, yeah. No, it's, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's, uh, alcohol. A good place to visit, though. Yeah. Surreal. It yeah. must be surreal. Yeah. Lying up half day for mountains and all that, and that as well. I remember going off then the day after that there through a huge big trip through the mountains and things and that as well. You know, stunning, stunning location. Right, beautiful. Even that, even flying into it, and you can see all of the mountains covered, and you're in the middle of June, covered in snow and everything. And so you can see some of those, uh, when you're when you're running. Obviously, you're just you run them like any other road and things like that there, you know, so, uh, yeah, definitely. Honolulu. Honolulu. Like, I, did, I wasn't even aware of that until I read your list. Yeah, was, uh, that, 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 once I had the majors done, I had, I picked up on uh, Runner's World Top 10. <laughs> right. He so, loves his list. Yeah, so that was, <laughs> that, that was my next list, and at that stage, because I'd done... I'd already done Paris, so there's five of the majors on it. The only one that wasn't on it was uh, Tokyo. So it included then Paris. So these are the, these are the Runners World yeah. top so 10 group, best marks. Yeah, group of editors sat them, down yeah. and they worked out what they they think is the top. And for a variety of reasons. Yeah. You know, for course, for atmosphere, 
for everything else. So just taking it a little step further than the majors, really. Yeah, and I was conscious of, of that list too. So I knew that's one of the reasons why I'd done Paris, you know, I'd done Amsterdam, which was on it. Rotterdam, Rotterdam actually was my PB marathon. Yeah, right. it's a fast course. Fast course. A lot, a lot of the London, oh sorry, a lot of Olympic marathoners actually picked yeah. that one to try and get yeah. their qualifying time. Before, before actually Berlin became the race in terms mm-hmm. of uh, in terms of world records now. A lot, a lot of the records were were set in, in Rotterdam. Beautiful right. place as well. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so. Uh, planting all these seeds in my head. I'm yeah, like, I'm gonna have to stop this. <laughs> so I, I had a I had a big PB in it. No, so what time is that? Three oh seven fifty. Wow. Right. So, uh, what are you talking about? That's twenty sixteen. So it would have been fifty three at that stage. That's unbelievable. But I probably had gone from running five days a week, six days a week, to running seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And I was running eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven miles a week. I was doing big that's what it takes though. oh it does do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean that's what it, no rest days no one yeah. right that went on for weeks at a time and, if you uh, can if you can get past that stage that your body will can adapt to that mm. and you're getting your easy recovery days and you can yeah. keep that going yeah because it's just momentum isn't it yeah, yeah but it doesn't like, matter if it's 10k recovery days name it miles name it miles no mm. you cannot run slow enough on your so your discipline has obviously helped you there. Yeah, it has. Yeah, that was the only <laughs> indisciplined venture, right? And I can remember, stand, <laughs> stand, I was just about on the point of needing glasses, right? So I was struggling at the start line to get to get my uh, GPS because I was surrounded by tall buildings. So I'd gone off in that small square, off the, you know, got the GPS in and come back in again, right? Struggling just at that point where. I needed glasses or didn't need glasses, so couldn't quite see the watch or anything else. And I was going to go with a 315 pacer. You had trained like a really hard, and you right, uh, in PB type condition. So I was going to go with a 315 pacer and then give it all the last six miles. Right, so I was going to go to the time. End up, 315 pacer was on the opposite side of the street, and we were separated by a by chain link, which I couldn't get through. So here I was, in the wrong pain, not able to see my watch. And I said to myself, do you know what? I'm just going to go today on feel. And I says, and I says, I remember saying to myself, how bad can it hurt, sort of thing. Right. <laughs> no idea. Right. <laughs> Off I went. Really comfortable through 20 miles, 21 miles. Oh then I started to struggle and when you, the thing about when you start to struggle you think you're almost walking yes your pace has dropped but you're still running yeah, you're still yeah. running okay but to you you, you think feel you've really like, dropped yeah, it's like 20 seconds. seconds but I knew you know, a few minutes ago I knew I was going to get a really good PB of course but I'd taken virtually no fuel in the winning I just said it just a run just go out and run for once just mm. let everything go and so over over the finish line, I went cock a hoop, everything else, got my medal, all the rest, got my photographs taken, everything else, went to get my bag, right, and I was under a table, and I bent down to get the bag wrapped. Oh, my calves absolutely exploded. <laughs> I was on the ground, right, three people into the medical tent, right, so, and I have photographs of this, but, 
right, of three people holding me down, right, my calves, and you could watch them. Yeah, it looks like mice running up and down. It then. was like a team of wild horses running up and down, up and down, and then they decided to jump out through your calf. Right, so that went on, oh, right. So they were getting salted water, tuck biscuits, crisps, peanuts, everything in the mind. But, but every now and again, my calves would absolutely explode. So they, one person needs leg, and one person's in my butt. But all I could do, one do was take photographs. I just got a PB. This was like a, a war wound, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, so. It's, it's funny that though, like, cause I remember doing, uh, it was actually Frank Duffy one year, and I had a horrendous race. I didn't get what I wanted. So the next day I went out, and I went out to hurt myself. You know, I went really, really hard. And um, I absolutely smashed the time I was after. But it never really came. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's, there's something about being afraid of it or actually chasing it. Yeah. And the chasing of it that taught me something, you know. Yeah. Like if, you, if you're afraid of that doubt and all that stuff yeah, and that yeah. darkness that's going to come, yeah. then it comes and it comes pretty heavy. But actually if you go out yeah. and you're enjoying that yeah. and you're, Just let it go. you know, I'm ready for a bit of hurt, come yeah. on. Like, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really, it doesn't hit you as hard. No, and you see even, even that though, that the, that didn't take a flinch out of me, even the way I yeah. in the medical tent being held and all that there, right? That did not. See, listening to you, it's like, why do you run? <laughs> so, uh, no, that didn't. So, have you finished the list of those no, 10? No, I, I hadn't finished the list at that stage, right? So, I had, I thought about, I thought about, right, 307. Is there, is there, is there anything else left me? I knew what it took to get there. And I knew what could possibly happen after what happened in Chicago if you go chasing so soon again. And I said, no, do you know what? I'm going to dip my toe in the altar. Mm. Um, so. so you were even easing off a bit, but you wanted yeah, to go a bit not, longer. Yeah, so you're still challenging yourself. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, Because mm. uh, it, it is a bit of an option, because like, my body sort of broke down as well. You know, when I was sort of peaking... Um, and I was training as well with a good coach and I'd gone out and I wanted to do four miles one I wanted to do 20 miles one day I couldn't get past four miles mm-hmm. and I my running sort of stopped for about six months and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> strangely and you'll understand this much probably I sort of fell back into ultra running a bit yeah just give my body a bit of a rest yeah. from that intensity yeah, it's the intensity mm-hmm. right it's that constant and of course you're doing big, still hard, like oh, what? You're, you're still doing mentally. Fort lag sessions, tempo sessions. That's where you're risking injury in that as well, yeah. because you are pushing, pushing your body there. Uh, but ultra is hard, but there's a comfort in, almost mm. a comfort in, right? Where you know you don't have to be chasing those, those big times and that there. There's still it's less pressure. Less pressure. It is less pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. It's yeah. challenging in different yeah. ways. Yeah. But in ways that you just you learn to work through. But you don't have that in the intensity of trying to hang on. Yeah. The whole way. Yeah. It's hard, like yeah. you know. And I also sort of goes in the back of my head. Right, in fifty three at that stage, man. Already, comrades was on my radar, and I'm saying, right, I need to dip my toe in here before I go yeah. looking about comrades and that and see what. The only one was two oceans. So two oceans. Yeah. Um, I remember running in Belfast, interviewing people as you do, as you're running around. <laughs> um, but I was just having an easy training run. 
Um, but there was two people I sp- two different people I spoke to who had um, hundred marathon club mm-hmm. vests on, and I asked them both, both you know, what was your favourite marathon? And both of them said the two oceans, yeah. and that's the first time I had heard it, and I heard it twice on course that day. Yeah. So what's so unique about that? Without a shadow of a doubt, the most spectacular course you will ever see in your life. Right. So similar setup. What, it's like fifty six kilometers, is it? Uh, fifty six, so that's about thirty five mile round. So the opening sixteen miles is down the Indian Ocean coastline. So you start in a, on a suburb of Cape Town, and again Cape Town, spectacular city. So beautiful. So at Easter, it's always on Easter Saturday. So we're family holiday. Turkey's there, amazing city now. Um, so. You're starting black dark, it's about 11,000 do the ultra, maybe about 10, there's a half, a half and it's about 10, half a marathon, about 10,000 do that, so, um, uh, six o'clock start, so you're black dark, and those initial nails and that there, so you're down that Indian coastline as the sun starts to come up and everything else, and those initial 16 nails, flat as a pancake. No storms? No, no, <laughs> not a thing, oh, it's you. All you want to do is stop and take photographs, right? So after sixteen men, you turn inland, and you had the next nineteen men up down, up down, including two big climbs, Chapman's Peak, right? Which is uh one of these spectacular drives that you do. You have to pay to drive along it, not there, right? Okay. So you're up that there. You top that there, and you're looking down into the bay, down into that village called Fishhook, right? It is all. It almost stops you in your tracks. It is just absolutely jaw dropping, jaw dropping scenery. Amazing, amazing scenery. Right? It's another seed. Yeah. <laughs> so then, then you're in, then you're up down. Constancia is a big climb in it, at about mile twenty, and it's, and it's and it's where it comes, right? And yeah, you get a relatively easy opening in the first sixteen, right? But then you're up down, up down, up down, and this. That, that, that whole cut-offs for medals, same as comrades, the quicker you are, the better grade of medal and all you can. Right, brilliant. And that overall cut-off, right, and you're looking at that from an outsider and you're saying, that's, that's, that's cruel, that's not fair, that's because, you know, it's gone to gone, your chip time doesn't come into it and all yeah. of that there. Right? But when you're involved in a race like that, particularly if you happen to arrive at a medal cut-off running, the tension... Right, the excitement they bring is is absolutely something else. Because everybody's there at the same. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Sometimes you might have it for yourself on your time. Yeah. You know, you say you're gonna break three thirty or whatever it's three fifteen. So you've got that yourself. Yeah. But here is everybody's in yeah. the same boat. Like yeah, shit. Yeah. Let's. We've yeah. got half a mile to go, boys. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. But yeah. well, I, Roshan had done the park run, one of the park runs in Cape Town on the Saturday morning. And she got a taxi out then to, to the finish line, and you finish in uh, a stadium at a college. So it's all tiered seating on both sides. And of course, I, I was trying to break five hours, right? Five hours for the 35 minutes. So I'm coming down into the stadium, and I thought I had more, in a th- but I sort of forgot about the, the that your chip doesn't come in it. So I thought I had a couple of minutes. Right, so I'm coming down into the stadium and I can hear the announcer going 30 seconds to go to the next cut off and like you had to go the full length of the pitch so I actually had a rain I'd said to Russian right 
if you can get halfway down that there, give me a shout. If you have the Ireland flag, throw it to me and I'll have it over over the finish line. She was roaring at me, but I was blanking, <laughs> blank. Everybody, if you see me, my finish pictures, they're hilarious. Everybody is focused on the, the cutoff. There's a guy beside me and I wasn't even aware that he was there. Overseas, about three photographs. He stumbles and falls. Right, so he misses the cutoff for, for the five hour medal. Right, so, and I made it to a five seconds to spur. No way. Yeah, it was 4.59. Now, chip wise, it's still not a couple of minutes, but yeah. for the gun to gun time, right, so it was 4.59.55, right, for that. And there's a elastic line comes across, boom, once he fires that gun, guy stands with his back to, to everybody, to the finisher, so he's not influenced in any way. He fires the gun. Right, at that stage, right, so it's obviously, it's only, I think the overall cutoff for it's maybe seven hours or seven and a half hours, right. At the final cutoff, uh, cut as in comrades, oh, cruel is not the word for it, right. So were you there watching that then? Oh, uh, we stayed, we stayed in the international yeah. tent for, for it, watching, right, and then you still had this six hour cutoff for medals and all that there, and you still had a lot of, <clears throat> they call the pacers and buses, Right, so you get on a bus, you go with Pacer and all that. They're huge groups and great and real camaraderie and all of that there, right? So they're all coming in. That causes great buzzing. But at that final cutoff, when he fires that gun, the literally security firm sit across that lane. You are not allowed to finish. You are not allowed. They unlock against the stadium as well. You're locked out. <laughs> now, that sounds brutal, and it is brutal, but it's hard. Now, yeah, there's not one person who misses it by a second or two seconds. They don't complain. They're straight right. Next year, I'm going to come back, train hard, bum, 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 right? To the outside person looking on, right? It seems cruel, particularly when within a They already two, know, like, it's going to be tight. Yeah. They must know that going into the race, you know. Yeah. They really know that I'm really going to have to pull it. But it must be, like, you ran down there. But to go, when you've seen people at the seven hour mark running down there, yeah. like falling over the line, yeah. trying whatever yeah. they can do to get yeah. over that. And they have absolutely and There themselves. must be a picture there. Like I can just imagine that photograph of the very last line of runners. Yeah. Relief. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, it must yeah. just be like, wow, that's absolutely. a picture like, you, yeah. Can, yeah. you can sense. But the, the, the guy, and you, you probably know, the guy in Comrades, the guy that's officially recognized as the last person to finish he gets more coverage than the winner he is over every paper he's a bouquet of flowers and this year he was laying polexed on his back right <laughs> bouquet of flowers everything else and, and, and like he's on every front page every paper and it's last but not least right amazing amazing you know so yeah and what did you think about going into the ultras then did you find because it, it's different like, isn't it oh it's very different uh, the first one I've done was Donadea which is the Irish 50k championships fantastic ra- race it sells like, that's a sell out race though, isn't well it? it's sold out it's, it's the first year Anto is a director and he is a unique character a brilliant character and he makes a race right so he's gone he's gone he's gone into the modern age and he's uh, there was applications online this year, so it's full, it's sold out. It's ten year anniversary, twenty twenty as well. So it's fantastic race and a gentle introduction to ultra run. Ten loops, 
in, in a forest park everything's so straightforward nothing to worry about in terms of fueling and everything else you know. it has pacers and everything else now it has tight enough cut off five hours is the absolute cut off mm. right so tight enough for some but you know again you have the full range there you've got Gary, 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 Gary the record to you in the smashing it yeah, yeah. Right, just poetry in motion See, he was 40 did he turn 45 I think there a couple of days ago so um, like phenomenal times uh, he's getting yeah, that yeah, it's like three yeah. hours something yeah uh, oh he was he was sub three or yeah absolutely amazing and if you see him like you see him go past you like he you wouldn't even hear him come past you he is floating on air and I mean absolutely floating both feet are <laughs> at times you think you don't even touch the ground you know so going back to your list the seven yeah. continents so there's yeah. seven continents that's, that's a thing <laughs> yeah there's seven um, you've done six of them so done which six, six have you done I've done them all bar on, uh, Antarctica so Europe, Asia, uh, Africa, North America, yeah, Oceania, yeah, which is like Australia, Australia, right? yeah, no, yeah, and South America, yeah, um, which is class. Yeah. Like what about way to see the world? Oh, like if, you, if you've never absolutely went into the running shop at like, that time, and like, like some some of these cities, like the Buenos Aires, call it the 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 Paris of South America, beautiful, stunning city. And it was, was there it was there for uh there for about a week and that again. It's uh outside of term time and that so off I go go on my own and that there, you know. So uh I was sort of toss up between it and Rio for my South American one. So but up that always had this fascination with Argentina since the seventy eight World Cup. One of the best World Cups ever. Amazing. <laughs> doing my 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 O levels as it were at that stage, oh, and I used to it was in the middle of the night the games were and all, you know. So I'd always sat there with Argentina, so I, I, I opted for it. So and again, it's taking taking this taking things off. So Antarctica is your last one to do on that list. Yeah, it's expensive. It is it's scary. There's two way, two two ways of doing it, both of which are expensive. One is which is mega expensive. So it's. It leaves from uh, a base in Chile, so it's virtually a private jet type setup. So you might be in Chile for two days, or you might be there for a week, depending. They're waiting on weather conditions to be right. They set up the course before they bring you in and all that. There and set up obviously medical stuff and everything else, right? So and then you're 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 flown in, but you're talking in around about seventeen eighteen thousand euro. From Chile, to do yeah yeah. If they take it in three installments, <laughs> if you pay up front, you might get something like a thousand euro off that. You pay one lump sum up front, like but it's, like you wouldn't have much change. Time you get the Chile, all that there, you wouldn't have much change. It's twenty grand there. A boat too far, like or push yeah. too far, doesn't it? Just when so you what's option two? Option two, <laughs> just just when you mention boats, actually, right? There's there there's another way of doing it, right? And it leaves from it actually leaves from Buenos Aires too, right? So it's from Argentina, so well, I suppose Chile, Argentina, still you still gotta get to these places. Right? It's like on a scientific research ship, so it's completely different. So you're away for for two weeks on this research, but you're into 
all the wildlife and everything else down the whales the penguins everything you see everything mm. up close and personal but that's it like isn't it the journey itself yeah to get there is yeah. a life's experience yeah isn't it yes absolutely yeah absolutely do you know that, anybody that's ticked off that list um i know of there's been a couple of people come here who've done seven continents in seven days right and there's that there and they're like it's oh it's mega money it's something below maybe 45,000 to do it like yeah Right, so there was a teacher from Galway two years ago, actually won, a uh, guy won the, the series, the males series, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, like a serious run, I guess, sub 220 marathoner type guy, you know, just teacher from Galway, so he, there's that, that's the express way of doing it, of course, but that's a huge impact on, on, on your not, body. It's not um, yeah. accessible for the average and person. And those courses, those courses are all sort of set up they're all sort of set up for, for that particular occasion. They're not open to the general public and things like that. So, uh, and the other thing, Robbie, about both, they're, they're sold out two to three years in advance, even at that money, believe it or not. That's yeah. crazy. So definitely there. <laughs> so how do you feel about that then? Because it is, don't want to call it a wish or a dream or whatever yeah. it is. Like, you know, it is, it's a lot of money. Like, um, can you be settled with that, do you think? With the six? With the six. Don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was going to say that, didn't you? <laughs> you have to take the list off. Is yeah. there any other lists out there that you... Ah, well, I didn't get finished in actually that conversation uh, about the Runners World Top 10 and, and the, particularly the Honolulu end of things, right? So, uh, Russian probably killed me for saying this. I come back from them back from the two oceans room right so I'd, I said right definitely comrades is on right I didn't fancy 2018 was going to be the down run didn't fancy the down run so I'll leave it to 2019 right so what was the reason behind that I hate running downhill but <laughs> I absolutely I run uphill all day right see downhill it's probably a weakness in my gene destroys my quads that's what mm. happened to me in Boston and that something I got to work on so you know that you just you just gotta do it yeah, yeah. right so but after come back from the two oceans i decided to have two left of the runners world so that was stockholm and honolulu right so i says right stockholm was coming up in june i come back in april so eight books stockholm and honolulu never told anybody anything including ocean. so it's <laughs> the thing i do really yeah, <laughs> Uh, Stockholm is on a Saturday, so I was travelling on, I think it's maybe the Thursday, maybe, Thursday, so, Wednesday night, I says to her, she couldn't do me a wee favour, she says, what? I said, couldn't run me up to the bus in the morning, she says, where are you going? I says, going to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to get in trouble oh, for yeah, telling us that story. Oh yeah, but we're here, but she out, she got her revenge, we're here, but she says, Stockholm, what for? And she says, I'm going to do the marathon. I've decided I'm going to do the world's uh, top 10, 4 and 15. So it's going to be 15 in January. Right. She says, where's the other one? I says, Honolulu. <laughs> she says, Honolulu. And she, uh, she says, when's it? I says, I have a book now. Right. She says, when's it? I says, it's the first week in December. She says, I can't go. I says, sure, no, you can't go. Sure, I have, I have flights, but... 
She says, you've booked that there. She says, you've booked that there. And you know why I can't go? I says, yeah, right. But it's funny. A few weeks later, she'd been off with a cold or something from work. And on her return, return to work interview with was the headmaster. She, chatting through. And he says, uh, anything else maybe? She says, do you know what? She says, Stephen's going to Honolulu in December to complete the world's top 10 marathon. She says, what's the chances of getting unpaid leave? He says, well, I have no problem with it, he says, but it has to go to the Board of Governors. So, went to the Board of Governors, yeah, no problem. So, the biggest fix was then to get her and all the same flights in the ring as me, right? So, there was uh, 10K, and if I'm away, there's 10K, and then yeah. the she does the 10K and everything else. So, it starts, really starts at 5 o'clock in the morning, right? Because of the heat and humidity, and it is brutal. Room. starts with a huge fireworks display and I mean unbelievable fireworks to be so between the marathon and the 10k and that it's something like about 35 40,000 people right so five o'clock in the morning this huge fireworks display and it finishes on Waikiki Beach with a beach party and that gets going from eight o'clock in the morning like. so what a way to finish the worst top 10 wow absolutely amazing Amazing, oh, so it was, it was unbelievable in terms of start and finish. Although, jumping around here, but Athens has to be the finish in yeah. terms of right. So, starts off in a village called Marathon, and you know the whole history and all that. But it finished is in what was a former Olympic Stadium, it's now a museum, but it was where the first international Olympics were held in 18. Whatever, 93 or something like that. Um, but every square inch of that stadium is solid white marble, including the 55,000 seats. And you get to run down one side of the track on that. So it starts off loads and, of history. Oh, amazing. Absolutely amazing finish. That whole history, that heaving of the route, and all of that there, right? Tough course now, opening 10k, reasonably flat. The next uh, 20k is straight uphill. Up, 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 up. Last 10k, all the way down. Again, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like downhill. <laughs> right, but amazing finish. Right, I put it, put it ahead. It's quite a, a magical sort of journey that you've been on, like 2011 till now. Yeah. Like, did you travel much before that? Yeah, I went, I went uh, hitchhiking when I was 16 with a few of my mates after we'd done our uh, O-levels to France, right? And I have not stopped travelling since then. Just travelling is my thing, even though you yeah. probably noticed, like, in you, my you preparation. You non-stop, like, you're just, yeah. every time you're on Facebook, <laughs> so even trying to get hold of you, where you, where you at this week? <laughs> yeah, I even jump things like, some of the places I've been this year, even, like, I went to Cyprus to do the marathon. And prepping part of my build up to comrades and that, and then I worked my way on uh, over into Israel, and then eventually over into pa- Palestine and that. And like I'd done, I'd done the Cyprus Marathon on St. Patrick's Day, and I'd ran extra miles in it because I didn't need to do a 30 mile training run that day. So I'd done the miles beforehand and just arrive off the off for the off as, as I would do. Uh, Palestine was on the Friday, six days later, so that was a Sunday, 17th, six days later. I, over those six days, I ran 96 miles 
That's brilliant. Yeah, so I was, I was away for 12 days in total, sort of warm weather training for for South Africa and that. Right. So just, I just made my way, I have no hesitation. Could you imagined like what your life might have been like if you had not started running? Could you, could you ever imagined of doing this when you were 50 years of age and having all those lists ticked? Never. Absolutely no, never. And in fact, I work I work in the leisure department of Lisbon and Castlereagh City Council, right? And at that before reorganisation, we were right next to sports development unit, and that's the reason why I've always helped out at the Lisbon half marathon for years. I cover the start of the three races and the finish line, right? So, and sports development ones were going run at lunchtime and all that there, and like I'd have paid five side football. That was a Run about that, just didn't get it, but now totally, totally, absolutely bitten by the bug. But funny, Katrina Jennings, right? Also, huge performance this year in comments, astounding actually. But podcast, two, two podcasts ago, yeah, check it out, yeah. And I was uh, covering the half marathon about two or three years ago, it was the first year that. Lisbon had changed a fairly flat course, and so I made it the start line. Obviously, in the, in the high vis vest, and that gets this tap on the shoulder just out of the crowd. This girl, who I didn't recognise at the time, says to me, "Can you do me a favour?" I says, "Yep, no problem whatsoever." She says, "You couldn't mind my key for me?" I say, "Yeah." So <laughs> I sticks the key in. I was just a face coming out of the crowd, but as she turned away, I say, she says to me, "Where will you be?" At the finish, at the, at the, after the race, I says, I'll be at the final turn before you go into the car park to the finish line. That's where I be all the time. And she turned away, I says, now, I'll only be there at a half eight. Right. I was saying, right, don't be keeping me waiting sort of thing, right? So, we the hands for talking about embarrassing, but, right, so, gets this tap on the shoulder when I'm standing at the back there, turns around, same girl again, and he says, well, how'd you get on? Oh, she says, get on on well I says what do you think the new course I was says good she says I won it <laughs> I says you won it she says yeah I, I says that's, that's brilliant she says no she says just come back from injury and that there she says it wasn't a great time she says but it was good it was good together I says what's your name she says Katrina Jennings anyway Katrina apologies I says I didn't recognize you there I says there was me saying earlier about half eight she says I knew what you were on about she says but I didn't want to say anything to you <laughs> London Olympian yeah you know what I mean yeah, yeah what real a hard bit of work what like. performance this year too yeah it's yeah. phenomenal so All she came third in the comrades yeah third woman home um, she's just sort of dipping her toes into yeah into that yeah um, and that's why I, I sort of challenged is this is this where you're is this your fit like you know it's phenomenal because you get like Comrades is sort of the ultra Boston, like, yeah. isn't it? It's unique. Yeah. It's um, it draws all the best runners. Yeah, it's it's the it's the. She got six hours something. I can't remember. Six hours twenty something, twenty two or twenty three yeah. something like that. There, but yeah, absolutely amazing. Like, and the distance. You done a brilliant time as well. It was like nine hours, was it? Yeah, nine around. It didn't sound good after. Yeah, we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on, but, but the cut off is like. 12 hours. It's 12 hours. Yeah. You're well, well, well. Yeah, well, when you think, right, at the 10 hour mark, there's still 82% of people out on that course. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Off those 
almost 10,000 won't get the finish. Now, there will be ones who don't make a start line like any. Yeah. This year was the biggest, uh, 25,000. 82% are on the course. Are still on the course after, at, 10. after 10 hours. Yeah. And like if you see phenomenal. It has the biggest field hospital in the world outside of any war zone. It is. It, in fact, the, the uh, South African Army medics go to train there because that's the nearest thing they will get to a war type scenario. <laughs> Bar you all your limbs and all that there. It is absolute carnage. <laughs> Military race, as you know, born out of the First World War and all of that, so the only time it hasn't been run was during the Second World War. It's about four years there it hasn't been it hasn't been run. But it has all still run along sort of military lines in terms of discipline and all that there. So it has if you drop out it has bailer buses so you've bailed out, right? You're numbered front and back. Those numbers are stripped off you and ripped up in front of you and you're put in the, the bailer bus. It's almost like the bus of shame. You know? <laughs> it again, like the two oceans, cutoffs for medals and all the rest, and then the final cutoff for all cutoffs. So it starts at half five, again black dark, outside Durban City Hall, which is a replica of Belfast City Hall. Right, they stole the plans apparently from the architect, right? So it's really bizarre, right? So black dark and it's dark for the first couple of hours as well. So those that are probably most disadvantaged, they've been the slowest qualifiers are last to get over the start line. So they might be 10, 15 minutes getting over the start line alone. Right. So they have lost that straight away and that becomes absolutely crucial, critical as you push towards that 12 hour cut off. Right? It's the most watched live sporting event in the whole continent continent of Africa. Everybody tunes in for that 12 hour cut off. And if you see it, there's people falling down, there's people being carried, their health You were buzzing when you came home after that. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it, you're into, for me, I was into the unknown. The furthest I'd been prior to that, there was 63K in Connemara, another fantastic race, well, amazing race. Beautiful right? place. Oh, gorgeous. Even on a poor day, stunning, stunning, stunning scenery. Beautiful. So the first you've been in 63K, right, and then you're moving up the up run is 87K, right? So, but 87K is one thing, but it's that relentless hill. There is no let up whatsoever. The opening 42, round 42K mark, is considered to be the hardest road marathon in the world. It's literally, bum, 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 straight up. A few big named individual hills along the way, five famous hills and all that there, but there could be 25 hills. Is, is there any race out there that you haven't touched on so far that you would love to do? Um, I can't think of any that you haven't done. <laughs> uh, what? A few there now. One, I'm going to Iceland. Right. Uh, end of next month. It's not an ultra, is it? No, it's the marathon. Right, I've decided, I've decided I want to do my back-to-back comrades. Uh, what else is going to give me that sort of a buzz in that there? Right, so. so you're going downhill? Downhill. It should be probably a bigger chance for me than going uphill. Right. But I'm saying that it's mainly downhill. 
it's just the reverse of that other course. You've still a good bit of climbing, so but it's that last forty two which becomes what is it you think is about like we had Eamon Murphy on the yeah. podcast before as well. Yeah. He had gone downhill and he felt compelled to come back the next year and go the opposite direction. Well do you know what I when it was originally on my on my list it was to do it once. I have a tendency not to yeah. go back and do the same course and that again, right? There's just so many races out there. As the man says, time is not on my side. <laughs> so they they but comrades back to back there's a special third medal, right, for doing that. Okay. Right. So you get that there's that and and you're still regarded as a novice if you've only done it once. And you've only done half the race yeah, almost. That's what it only, feels you've like. Only done, you've only you've only done it one way. Um bizarrely the next two years are down runs. Right. So twenty twenty is a down run and twenty twenty one will be a down run simply because that will be twenty twenty one will be the hundredth anniversary of Comrades the organization, not the hundredth race, because of the four missing ones during the Second World War, right? But they are letting thirty six thousand do it in twenty twenty one now logistically I don't know how they're gonna manage that. Right. Their best way to do that is on they think is a down run to start in Peter Marsburg and have everybody finish in Durban rather than the other way around. So hence the reason why or why it'll be double downs coming up next year. And one last question in my head then. So if you had a choice you were told you need to run one more race, that's it. And it was to be one of the races that you've ran already. Mm-hmm. Putting the up and down, that's done. Mm-hmm. And which race would you go back to? Uh, Boston. Right. Just, right. Uh, just to have that bond with it, with all mm-hmm. that happened in 2013. I still have a bit of unfinished business with it, i got to say, right? Because... So because of the relatively poor race that I had that day in itself, uh, Boston probably I have actually a qualifier for this year, but don't I won't I won't enter it this year. Not like Tom Rossi. <laughs> no, do you know what I was? Uh, I was atten- I was tempted this year to apply to do the Big Sur, which is on the western coast, and it's down that Pacific Highway, and we have done it on holidays sort of thing again stunning coastline but it's a big thing it's in the same same week as Boston so so there's a whole thing Boston the Big Sur right so I was tempted to do that maybe maybe next year but no I've just decided I just focused on, on the down run but you're asking me if there's one race that I'd do again in a heartbeat Boston every time Stephen, that's brilliant. Thanks very much. Thanks, Joey. Appreciate it. Okay, cheers. Class, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I've added a few more marathons to the bucket list. It's great to hear Stephen share his adventures, and I hope you get some good ideas for the future. I think the two oceans is a must. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.